It's been an awesome series of foolproofing our lives. And as we see America on a, on a course today, uh, many times we see a lack of wisdom. But if, let me encourage you this morning. Never have we had a greater opportunity as a church to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. The Bible says you're the light of the world. Let me follow that with a question. Have we ever saw a darker hour in America than we're seeing today? And it's at the head of it is leadership. And then we see all of the fruit of what's going on. But I've got good news for you. It's our best hour because you're the light of the world. You're like a city set on a hill. And I believe there's a world searching for what you have today. And so you're God's hands extended. You're God's voice that he wants to use in this hour to encourage those that are discouraged, to comfort those that are brokenhearted. And it's just an awesome day to be alive here in America. And it's just an awesome time to be alive in Oklahoma. If the fires are out, as far as we know this morning, and uh, it's just a great day. We've had some rain, and we've got more rain on the way. So it's an awesome, I, you know, the Bible says we can count our blessings, and, and, you know, we can just continue to enjoy the trip that God has allowed us to enjoy here on this earth. We start the message this morning. That's our final message on foolproofing our life. I'd like to narrow it down to foolproofing the church, and we're going to be speaking from that in just a few moments, but I was thinking about a story that I'd heard or read about. Mother took little Johnny to church one morning, and, and it came time for preaching, and the sermon was entitled, What is a Christian? And the pastor got into his message, and every so often he'd beat on the pulpit, and he'd say, What is a Christian? And as he continued the message, each time he had asked this question, his voice would raise a little louder and a little louder. And little Johnny looked at his mother and he said, Mom, do you know what a Christian is? She said, Yes, but you need to sit still and be quiet and listen to what he has to say. So the final point, the pastor was just really wound up. He beat on the pulpit he, louder than he had ever beat. And he yelled like he had never yelled before in his message. He said, What is a Christian? And little Johnny jumps up to his feet and says, Mama, tell this preacher what a Christian is all about. A better one than that is this. A dad sat down with his son one day and explained to him what a Christian man looked like and how he acted. As he ended the illustration and expression of what a Christian is all about and the life that he lives and the expression that he uses, the little boy looked up at his dad and he said, Dad, have I ever seen a Christian? Then the dad received a... Uh, a notice that maybe uh, the boy was serious about what he had to say. So, you know, as we journey this life, it's important to ask ourselves quite, quite often this question. What does a Christian look like? How does a Christian act? And, uh, you know, it's, it's an awesome time just to take inventory of ourselves in this series of messages this morning because we're here to foolproof our life. And, you know, we can, we can listen to the messages, and we, can, and we can allow the message to sink into our heart. But it's more than just receiving. It's allowing the Word of God to be expressed in everything we say and do. So as we start the, the message this morning, uh, I want to talk to you about some things that we can do as foolproofing the church. Never before have we realized such an hour when uh, the opposition of a Christian life has never been like it is today. 
Never has a challenge been like it is this morning. And the enemy is so sly, he's, he's the, the chief of all deception. And he can deceive people into doing bad things that aren't really recorded as bad things in the Bible. But the good part of it is, God has, the day that we invited Jesus into our life, along with the Holy Spirit, he gave us the power to submit ourselves to the Lord. And submission is one of the greatest attributes of a Christian that we can have. When we submit our hearts and lives to the Lord, he employs his wisdom and his knowledge and the skills that he has given us to be what he's called us to be. And as we take this journey with the Lord, it's awesome to see the wisdom of God that he allows us to, allows us to use. And uh, as we began this series, we begin with the question, what is wisdom? And how do we receive wisdom? And in the book of Proverbs, this, this, this month has been more, meant more to me in the book of Proverbs than, ever ha- than it ever has before, because it answers the question, what is wisdom? And how do you get wisdom? Well, the Bible says if you ask the Lord, he will give you wisdom. He gives to all men liberally. So if you're without wisdom this morning, uh, it's, it's available. And it's a, uh, it's a something, it's a quality of a Christian that we all need to employ in our lives every day because there's always the opportunity to express wisdom. And I, this morning as we look at the message again, what does it mean to live skillfully from God's point of view? Everybody has their point of view, but everybody's not right. I know I'm at home today. You're, feeling, you're making me feel so good. I very seldom enjoy quietness. I don't even travel with my radio on unless I've got somebody's CD and a message that I want to listen to. What does it mean to live skillfully from God's point of view? I want to talk to you about three elements or th- three arches that are uh, available in the book of Proverbs. As you know, we've asked you to read a chapter a day. We've encouraged you to do so. Nobody's going to force you to, but if you want to live skillfully in this world, if you want to have wisdom, we've got to apply what Proverbs has to say. And we've all done some dumb things. But that doesn't make you a dummy. We've all done some things that if we had it to do over, we wouldn't do. But I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to talk to you about three arches this morning uh, it's emphasized in Proverbs. And if you hadn't read that, it's not too late. You can begin tomorrow, tomorrow and read a chapter a day and, and just allow what God's Word has to say sink in. But the wisdom and foolishness uh, is pointed out in the book of Proverbs. And as much as we see a lot of foolish things happening today, there's two categories that represent the same general division of humanity found throughout God's Word. Those who submit to the will of God and the wisdom of God and those that refuse to submit to the will of God. And not all of these people are in a world. Not all of these people are sinners. There's days and opportunities for every believer to submit to the will of God or to resist the will of God. There's open doors every day that God gives to all of us for an opportunity to submit to his lordship and to his wisdom and and give us strength and courage to be the shining light that he needs for you and I to be. And, And so there's two paths to travel. You can use the wisdom of God or you can use foolish gesturing. You can use the foolishness of using language or interpretation or you can chime in with the world and and 
talk like the world, but the book of Proverbs re- represents a contrast between a life lived skillfully and in the kingdom of God and a life lived apart from the knowledge of God. I don't know about you, but this has really helped me because every time I stand before you and bring a message, if it hasn't preached to me, you'll never hear it. So every message that I've, I've preached this month has been employed in my life, and it's been a challenge to my life because one day, and we're getting ready to, to start a series, and we're going to start next Sunday morning. We've been using it in our Sunday school class. And when I saw the hands that were raised, there was less than 20 in our class this morning, but when I saw the hands that were raised, it had never heard about what happens in the end. A Holy Spirit ministered to me and said, the whole congregation needs to hear this. Over half of the class had never heard about the judgment day. And my heart was stirred as I saw in a small class of people this morning the unreality and the lack of knowledge that many Christians have of knowing that there's going to be a judgment day. There's going to be a great white throne judgment. And the difference between judgment day and a great white judgment is a lot to, to offer. And we're going to start the series next next Sunday, the end, what happens next? Listen, the Bible says if in this life only we had hope, we'd be very miserable people. And many people just live for today and take a chance on tomorrow. But God's Word gives us skill as to how to live, and that skill is called wisdom. So as we look at these categories this morning and look at it through God's eyes, what does it mean to live skillfully from God's point of view? Can I say this? First of all, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, they'll be more required of the leadership of the church than there will those that are not in leadership. If you're a teacher, if you're a leader, and there will be more, the, the Judgment Day will be more rigid for the ministers than it is for the laity. And I'll stand before God and I'll give an account for every word and every deed that I've done. How I've spent the money, how I've honored God with my first fruits. Have I honored Him with the first 10% of my income? Have I honored Him with the, with the first 10% of my time each day? Have I taken the opportunity to tell, tell somebody about Jesus that's living in unskillful ways? And we'll all, you know, there'll be no congregation. There'll be no family member to stand and blame. We'll all take responsibility for how we're living, how we've lived, and the opportunities that will be unveiled to us of how God has given us the opportunity to express Jesus Christ and express Him to the whole world that needs to know about the Lord. He'll give us opportunities to look back and see those that could have made it and didn't make it, and you and I had the availability to tell them about what Jesus means and the skills. So let me ask you this question. I want you to take this question home with you today. The message is no good if it's when we walk out the door and we get to the corner and we can't remember what was said. In Mark chapter 4, it tells about four types of soil. I'm not going there today. But immediately the Bible says after you've received the teaching of God's Word or you've read the Word, immediately the devil comes to steal the Word. He don't want you to remember what I said today. He don't want you to remember to what I said tomorrow or the next day. He wants you to forget the skills about how Jesus looks on our life and how we apply the skills that he's given us. This is what the book of Proverbs is all about. 
It tells us how, it, it highlights how we are to live financially, how we're to live with the skills of life, and how we're to live our life in abundance. And Jesus says there's a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he said, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And God wants us to be living full of vitality and life with the joy of the Lord is our strength because when you look at a world today, there's a lot of sad sacks. You know why? Because they haven't applied the, the will of God and the Word of God. You know what? In his presence, there's full of fullness of joy. Let me just meddle here before I get to the message. And I just want you to think about this, and I'm, I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to just kind of look down at, my, at myself. In his presence is fullness of joy. Let me just ask this question. Are you full of joy today? A merry heart does good like a medicine. And if not, uh, let me ask you, who are you pleasing if your life is not filled with joy? Listen. Laughter is the fruit of joy. But you don't have to go around laughing to be full of joy. In fact, you can recognize by the Spirit that lives within us, it's Christ who lives within us, the hope of, of glory that allows the joy of the Lord to be our strength. And the joy of the Lord is our strength has a radiation way of radiating through our spirit that the world knows that there's something going on in our life and, and it's not found on CBS, ABC, NBC, or Fox News. It's a joy of the Lord. In His presence there's fullness of joy. We've gone through a season where we had fires that, that are totally out of control. There was a gentleman here last night. Years ago, I performed their wedding ceremony, and he was here last night, and he was telling about how his 800 acres was consumed, and how he lost 30 head of mama cows and their calves beside him. But he also told me how he almost lost his life. He lay, lay down flat on, on, on his driveway. As the, as the wind came up out of the canyon, it knocked him to his back. He had a, a, a garden hose, and he just began to spray it over him, and that fire leaped right over the road where he was laying. This man's a believer. You know what? He didn't want to tell me about the 30 cows he had missed and the calves. He wanted to tell me how good God had been. That's the skill of living for Jesus. Listen, it's not what we lose, it's what we gain. He's, he was breathing. He came to the wedding. He was, he was happy because even though he'd lost two horses and, he's, and one horse he just gave $8,000 for and it went by the way of the fire. He wasn't crying about that. He was rejoicing because he was still alive. He came to the wedding. He had a good story to tell. He had two horses in, in still water and their feet are burned. He doesn't know how things are going to turn out, but he said, I'm telling you, I am so blessed. Hallelujah. That's skillful living. Yes. That's skillful living. And our joy, listen, our blessings always outweigh the bad that comes to our life. And to, and to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And here's what the Bible says. You can know the truth. And the truth that you act on will be the truth that sets you free. So I want everybody to take, take a deep breath and say, he's not talking to me. I'm free. I am so free. I am so free. We got a call just before dark, the first week of the fire. He said, the, the fire on the course that it's taking is four hours away from your church. I just began to praise the Lord. You know, the enemy tries to use our past to, to con try to contaminate our future with our past. And this thought passed through me. I saw what this church looks like under 12 inches of, of ashes. 
And if it's torched again, God, you'll build it bigger and better than it was the last time. And because, you see, living in the presence of God and living and letting him guide us into all truth helps us to prepare for what is coming. When the fire came to this facility in August of 90, three months before it came, the board tripled the insurance. And three weeks after we lost this, we got a check for $877,000. And all the world was hearing is they'll never rebuild. The community was echoing, they'll never rebuild. And people began to give and begin to bless. And that $877,000, when the finishing nails were driven, amounted to a million dollars. Every bill was paid, and we moved in debt-free. God knows how to do great work in deep water. However, are we going to talk about the deep water we're in, or are we going to reflect on the goodness of God? What is God, from God's point of view, how are we living today? I'm asking myself the same question. Man, I've read through the book of Proverbs again and again and again, and I just get fascinated with the things that God wants to tell me through his word. And how he wants me to apply it to my own life. And as I look at the wisdom and the foolishness, I, I, can be, I can really be foolish in a lot of things. I like, my mother-in-law used to put me under the couch. She said, that foolish gesturing is not a, ordained by the Lord. And so there was years that I just antagonized my mother-in-law. I just had a lot of fun. But you know, uh, when wisdom is applied to our life, what used to be fun doesn't become fun anymore because it doesn't bring glory to God. So in contrast between living skillfully in the kingdom of God and a life apart from the knowledge of God, you have nothing. I want to encourage everyone this morning. The Bible says let a man examine himself. This is not my, I'm, I'm not, it's not my point to examine people's life. It's my response to his ability to tell you what the word says. I cannot apply it. I cannot drive it home. I'm not here to trim your hedgerow. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm just sowing seed into your life this morning. And the Bible says there's good soil that will, some will, will develop into a, a harvest of 30-fold. There's that 60-fold harvest, and then there's that 100-fold harvest. And it all goes back to the, our spirit is the, is the soil that the Word of God is sown in. And you have the ability to get, take, care, take the weeds and the, all of the all of the things that try to contaminate your spirit, take away your joy, cause you to live in gloom, doom, and despair, to live in depression and take antidepressants. You, you, you can choose that if you want to. But let me say this. The skill of God's Word doesn't want you to be depressed one more day. Hallelujah. Depression is never found in the Word of God. And God wants you to know the Holy Spirit wants you free if you're here this morning and you're dealing with depression. The Bible says many of the, uh, all of God's children will be oppressed. But listen, we know when somebody's pressing in on us, we know one thing. We know how to get rid of oppression. And that is just simply walk away, simply flush the stool of our life that contaminates our life, that contaminates how we smell to the world and how we look to the world. And when we apply, apply God's skill from his point of view we can apply Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord everybody still loves me say amen, amen. I'll tell you I'm getting a lot out of this message overarching theme number two is the transference of God's plan what God wants you to do is take what's here and transfer it from here to here 
He says, well, I've given you the mind of Christ, so we all have the ability to read and, and allow that mind to transform the way we think. Good preaching will never transform your mind. It's what you apply to your mind that causes you to live in victory or live in defeat. It's what you apply to your mind that causes you to get depression. I was, I was doing a study not long ago on depression, and here's what it said. Depression it is, it, it comes through people that just dwell on negative thoughts. They dwell on the worst of things until their mind leads them to a point of depression. Jesus says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not but robbery to be equal with man, which means he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't sing, my, oh, my, I've left heaven. I've left it all just for you. I've heard pastors say, I had a good job. I was CEO. I was making tons of money, and I gave it all up for Christ. Can I tell you something? I gave up nothing but heartache and sorrow to follow Jesus. And if I'd have been a CEO, I'd st still said, I gave up nothing to follow Jesus. It's all about allowing, allowing his skills to be applied in our life. And listen to me, I don't care who you are, what your calling may be, you'll never live a life that you'll be so skillful that you'll never make another mistake. As I look across the building this morning, there are many that have skills in carpenter work. When the decking went on this building... We started and we decked around this facility. There were boards that had bows in them because we, we, we decked this with boards from 8 to 18 to 20 foot long. And the bows, the, ro the boards, that, and it was tongue and groove, it had to fit. But our engineer had a bar, a crowbar, that was bent where it would slip right over the the, the beams in this building, and when you pull back on it, you could pull the bow out of those boards, and that tongue and groove fit as if it was never bowed. Did you know something? All of our lives was bowed with sin one day. It was a tongue and groove fit. Jesus came to this world so that we would fit into his program, his plan, and nothing is impossible with him. And yet life has a way of bowing us by the way we think, by the way we live, and by the expression that we express to the world. But you know what? The Lord doesn't have a crowbar with a long handle on it pulls us in line, but he has the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit every day wants to pull me in line with what God's Word has to say. It's a joy to travel to the hospital. It's not a joy to look upon the scene, but it's a joy to have strength to drive to hospitals every week and see people that are less fortunate than I am. And when I walk out of there, I have this ringing in my heart. God, I'm so glad you gave me the ability to go visit. Nobody's having to come and visit me. I thank you for every mile I've traveled. It's all for the glory of God. And I thank you that you use me as your representative today I stood beside Carolyn's brother's bedside Monday or Tuesday was it and the doctors had already told him he you have MRSA the the metal that we put in your back is contaminated we we don't know what's caused the infection we're gonna have to take all the hardware out and we're gonna have to send it off so we'll know how to get rid of the infection and Lyle your heart is blocked and all the arteries that are coming and going from your heart Lyle, we're not sure you're going to make this surgery. We have to hear you say, do you want these two gentlemen, Jeff, his son, and I was standing in the room. The doctor says, do you want these two gentlemen to leave before I ask you a question? I have to ask you. And he said, absolutely not. I want them here to hear what I have to say. And the doctor says, Lyle, there's no guarantee that you're going to wake up 
It's a 50-50 deal. You're in bad shape, and your heart is in really bad shape. What do you want me to, what do you want us to do? And listening intently as I watched his action and his face, as tears began to stream down his cheek, he said, Doctor, I have God in my life. I want you to proceed. And the doctor says, we'll proceed. Two hours, two and a half hours later, a report comes. He's in ICU, but he's, he's breathing. He's, he's, he's doing good. Everything's looking real good. Listen to me. When you face issues in life, and even the doctor says, your chances are slim. God says, when I'm for you, don't discount. You'll make it. It may not be a life and death situation. It may be in your marriage. And there's a lot of people that's throwing in the towels. Jared and I have had several conversations about this. In today's society and those more serious than people take marriages, I'll take 10 funerals over one marriage because today in the lifestyle that we're living, we see couples come in, one and two children, and all at once they decide uh, they want to get married. Can I tell you something? And I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to confess something to you I've never confessed before. If I wasn't going to live for Jesus, and if I didn't intend to go to heaven, I wouldn't get married. I'm getting some real religious looks this morning, but, you know, I wouldn't break somebody's heart with a divorce. If I wasn't going to heaven, listen, marriage was ordained by God. It was meant to be enjoyable. It wasn't meant, and you're not hooked up with somebody that you made a mistake about. Listen, honey, God sent him into your life, or he sent her into your life, so you'd do a better job and a skillful way of living for Jesus. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. I want to tell you something. This little lady has helped me more than only God knows the help that she's. In my discouraging moments when I wanted to go home and say, what the heck? And the people you pour your heart out in, the people you do the most for, they, get a, they, they, they come a little close across a, a lifestyle. If it's convenient, I'll go. If it's not convenient, to heck with it. I don't mind telling you, leadership, we have, we're just like you. There's days when you go to, the, to fish and the fish don't bite. And if you're like me, you think, boy, I could have got a lot done if I just stayed at home and worked. Well, pastoral duties a whole lot the same way. You didn't think I'd say that, did you? I just, want to be, I just want to tell you about the skills of God gives us. And every day as I see the things that are happening, leadership is not ex- exempt from the heartaches that laity is. My brother's telling me this week about one of the largest churches in Oklahoma City of our same movement, how the pastor came in ordained of God. My brother attended the service for, for almost a year. The pastor wanted him to bring, on, bring him on staff. And he said, no, I, I, just don't have a, I just don't have a release to do that, but I really enjoy your ministry. And the building was about four times larger than the congregation. And the pastor being a steward, a good steward over the money that was coming in, the utilities were very extreme. And he, 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 he got with an architect and, and, and they did they drew plans as to how they could shrink the auditorium to cut down on the operation. And he brought the plan to the board. He said, I think this is what the Lord would have us to do. It can be removed at a later date, but this is what we need to do. We need to be good, 
good stewards over what God has given us, and we need to cut the utilities down so where we can operate without holding our breath. We just, we just, and these are things we can do to shrink the operation of our church. And the board says, it won't happen. We're not doing it. And he said, then you don't need Pastor Ted, and he resigned. He came with a burden, but the skills of everybody is not the burden of God. And the skills of a church is this, and, and I am so blessed today because it's the responsibility of the shepherd to be skillful enough to spend time with God to know what God's will is for the church. It's my responsibility to realize when we're working and operating in, in an area that is, is where God wants us to be. And today, can I tell you, God has blessed this church in a supernatural way, and he's blessing it because we're operating according to the skills of God's word. Did you know God says it's our responsibility to take care of the widows and the orphans? Can I ask you, what is Wednesday night all about? Do you, I would love to have a head count of how many orphans that ride our buses are foster kids, and we're doing that. We're doing it as unto the Lord. We're feeding them. Jared has... He's averaging probably in the 80s on Wednesday night, but not counting the, the, Tuesday, the first and third Tuesdays that he feeds the high school. And you ask yourself this question, I wonder how many foster kids are in that group. It's skills that the Bible says it's the responsibility of the church. We're to take care of the widows and the orphans. Did you know before Court Bench passed away, we made sure that her, she had money to pay her 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 gas bill i'm saying this for the glory of god and i'm giving you credit for it because you're good stewards you pay your tithes you honor god with your first fruit did you know that the last year we there's a lady in this church that walks works in the personal ta in the tax area and i asked her i said if the taxes aren't paid would you let me know can i tell you these are just skills that god expects leadership to know about and we paid those personal taxes so that listen listen it's not about paying the preacher it's about honoring God with our first fruits so that we can be scriptural and do what the Bible says we're to do. Amen. We had three people who grew up in this church there on the mission field, not on foreign mission. They come and go, but we have gone the extra mile in getting them off a of high center so they could begin to spread the gospel. Do you know every missionary that you send a dollar to and they win 10 people to Jesus? Do you know on judgment day you're going to be rewarded accordingly because you sent them? It's not about paying the light bill. It's, listen, you can't put God's plan on paper and make it work. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It takes no faith to step forward when you've got the means to take care of it. But listen to me. When you walk by faith, the Bible says it's impossible. If you can't dream beyond what you're able to see done, if you can't dream beyond your ability, then you're not walking by faith. I'm talking about the spiritual skills the Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto you. And what you're enjoying today was a dream that came true without ever a penny being borrowed. And, and the 188 acres was a dream that came true, and we never passed the offering plate. Listen, you've got a dream beyond your ability, and if you're not, it's because you're lacking the skills that God has given us. Oh, I know it's important to, that we, we prepare for, for our, uh, our retirement. It's important that we do all of these, but it's also important that we apply the skills of God's Word. Yes. Moving on. The third overarching 
thought that I received from Proverbs is the discipline that Proverbs has to offer. Did you know that God believes in discipline? I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, the passes that everybody had to wear to Barbara Bush's funeral. I don't care whether you were a news person or, or a, a, a senator or a congressman. You couldn't get in without that name tag around your neck. And she talked, she was into education. She wanted kids to get a good education. And she was in for helping schools. And she said the first classroom that kids ever attend is a classroom at home. Well, now that really gets quiet, doesn't it? Isn't that amazing? Can I ask you, why are we having such trouble at the second classroom at school? Maybe it's because I didn't do quite as good a job at home as I should have. Just maybe, just maybe. And then there's that classroom of life where you apply the skills and the knowledge that you were taught in classroom number one, classroom number two, and then you have the ability in classroom number three to apply those skills. And that was on the name tag of every individual that attended her her funeral. The underlying of, of Proverbs is an assumption that human beings need training. I want everybody to look this way. I want you to, you know, this, my mother didn't, uh, my mother, if she caught us pointing at somebody, she'd say, don't point that finger at anybody. And Marguerite could get her point across. If she had to tell you the second time, she'd go, I said don't point. If, you, if you, she caught you a second time, she'd say, Wham! What'd I tell you? You didn't want Marguerite on your bad side. And if you were one of her sons, we went to church Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. My dad was an awesome speaker. He was in revivals everywhere. And she would set two boys on one side, two on the other. And she didn't carry a paddle. She carried an ins inconspicuous weapon that was powered by the Holy Spirit. You begin to wiggle or squirm or, re or bend over to whisper, and she'd take just enough skin that she could rub that just like that. I can't explain it, but this is how my little hiney went in those one before slatted pews. As Marguerite would get my attention. You didn't want the second pinch. That was called discipline. We learned discipline at the church. We didn't have any trouble going to school. Let me tell you the rule of thumb at the White House. If you got a whipping at the school, you're going to get one when you got home. And my dad never knew that I got three weapons at school. Discipline, discipline. Our minds can go all different directions, but it's the Holy Spirit that brings our thought process into line. The human beings need training. We need correction. We need discipline. The word discipline occurs 30 over 30 times. I believe 30 or 31 times in the book of Proverbs. And because we are inherited with a lack of wisdom, instruction is needed. And all I'm doing this morning is just highlighting some instruction that's helping me a lot. And if I can help you a little I know some of you are probably way ahead of me. That's okay. I don't count that as a threat. God is working all of us, and we're all still working in progress. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad, Lord, I'm wor I work in progress. And, and you know, uh, children, 
especially are needing some guidance and some counsel. Proverbs presents two kinds of discipline. I want you to get this. Uh, on one is initiated by parents or authority, and one is, is initiated by the Holy Spirit. And God wants you to know today that he can quicken your mortal body, and he can tell you right now if there are things that you're doing that aren't skills that he's given us. And, and listen, the Bible says there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For what the law could not do then that it was weak, meaning the Ten Commandments, God stepped up in his mercy and he extended the gift of mercy so that he could help us in the things that we couldn't operate and do called skills of the Ten Commandments. Oh, I know the Ten Commandments are, are history. They're the thing of the past. But let me ask you something. If the Ten Commandments says, I shall not kill, does it make it right today because we're under grace and not under the law? No. It's a principle we know as Christians. Don't, don't shoot somebody just because you feel like it. You're going to go to jail. How about this? Thou shalt not steal. Just because it's one of the Ten Commandments, is it not a skill that we should not steal from people? By the way, I borrowed your trailer this week. <laughs> I didn't steal it. <laughs> I'm bringing it home. <laughs> I just borrowed it. But I really enjoyed that, uh, that deal you let down. I didn't have to prop up some plywood and load the lawnmowers today. I'm talking to you, Mr. Woods. <laughs> he said, I knew you were. <laughs> listen, listen, take those principles from the Old, uh, Old Testament and apply them to de- today's living. And you know what? Maybe there's something that's not listed in there as a, a don't do. But you know, if the Holy Spirit's quickening it, there's probably somebody you can help by just using the skills that God gives us. He said, I've come that you can have life and have it in abundance. Can I tell you, there's a stricter rule for leadership than there is for the laity. Why is it? Because people are watching you. Is that good? Yes. Not always. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good when you apply it. It's not really good when you don't. Listen, the reason, one reason Jesus came to this world is because he saw the confusion of mankind. And regardless of where you're having problems with confusion today, whether it's in the financial realm, whether it's in your friendships, family, or faith, wisdom can be restored and order can come no matter how young or old you are. And it comes to you applying the skills of God. Solomon said the key to really having it all is just to wise up. And if you were going into the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, I had everything in my heart, everything my heart wanted, I got. I built houses, I planted vineyards, I had men servants, I had women servants, I had an orchestra and a music that, that played all the kind of music, I had old songs, I had new songs, I had it all. I had gold and silver that I couldn't even count or weight. And then you know what he says about all the things he did for himself? Here's how he sums up life. The man who'd asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him, not only did he give it to him, but he gave him everything else that he didn't ask for because it so pleased the father to have a son that wanted to be wise. But he sums up life like this. And I was thinking about it this week as I was reading uh, the first two or three chapters of Ecclesiastes. When he put it all in a bread basket, he said, all is vanity and vexation. All, all. 
all, everything. He said, everything my heart set out to do, everything I wanted, I got, everything I got is because I wanted it. And, and I, I, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't always applying the skills. I got wisdom. That was one of the skills God wanted me to use. And I used it part of the time. I didn't use it all the time. But I sum up life. It's all vanity and vexation. What is wisdom? Wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. However, the problem is we usually don't respond to life, at least I don't, always, from his perspective. There's a, and, and, and then the Bible gives us this terminology. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There's a way that seems right unto man, but the ways thereof is death. Let me talk to you husbands for a few moments. Moment. Have, you ever, have you ever laid out some instructions and your wife says, That's not right. What do you mean it's not right? Well, this is what was supposed to have been done. This is what was said. And this is the bottom line. How many of you are like me and you'll bow up like a pussycat when a bulldog starts getting in his face? (laughs) Three of us. Let me just offer you a suggestion. The Bible says a soft word turns away wrath. Do I always apply it? Heaven these days? No. But this is the reason I've enjoyed the book of Proverbs in, in this, this month is because there's something every time I read through the book of Proverbs that is like a super glue and it glues to my life. And I see some things I'm not wise at that I need to wise up about. I see some skills that I'm not using that I need to be used. And, and, and you know, Proverbs 1 through t- chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 are very powerful. And in my closing 10 mo- minutes, I want to read them to you. And I want you to ask yourself, is that powerful? Number two, am I seeing things from God's perspective or from God's point of view? Or am I doing things my own way? It's found in Proverbs uh, chapter 3. And the reason I'm reading it from here is because I've tripled the size of the letter so that I can be wise in reading. But listen to these words. My son, you know what that says to me when, when the word starts like this? Children have a teachable spirit. And Jesus wants every one of us to re- look and realize, according to his word, we're still children. He wants you to know this morning that he cares about you. And that's the reason he's given us a teachable spirit. And notice he addresses Proverbs chapter 3, 1 with, My son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments, for length of days and long life and peace will be added unto you. What did he say? If you'll do what I tell you to do, your days will be lengthened, and your life will be long, and, and I'll see that you have peace no matter what comes your way. I wonder how many that have committed suicide did it because all peace was gone. I can talk about this because it happened in my, our family. I'm not bashful about talking about suicide because my dad saw souls won to the kingdom, missionaries to the, to the mission field. And yet in a, in a desponding hour, 
when sickness was racking his body, he took a, a pistol and put it right here and pulled the trigger. It don't bother me about talking to you about suicide. I know how people feel when they lay aside the wisdom of God. And sickness and things that you're not prepared for and, and, and things that you don't even think is going to come your way can hit you in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And you forget about skills and your flesh begins to take over and you operate according to the flesh, not again uh, with the Spirit. And you weren't there that day, but Yulvon was. I went outside and for hours I screamed, Daddy! Why did you do this? I wasn't saying it from here. But it hurt clear to my feet. And I said, Daddy, why? Why did you do this? Listen to me. Listen to me. You think you can take the skills you want to and leave the rest? I, let me just encourage you this morning. I don't know where your destiny, and I don't know where you're living this morning, but I'm not here today just to allow a few tears to spill down my eyes. I'm here to try to help you. When you apply the skills of God's Word, come or high water, you'll know what to do. In all your ways, he said, just acknowledge me. I'm Lord of your life. Just acknowledge me. Just give your attention to me, and I will direct your path. And that's not the path you want to travel. Reading on, verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and of man. A favorite of mine, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. The day that my dad took his life, this was the podium that I looked for and I longed for. I said, Lord, I've got to trust you. I don't understand, but you said in all my ways, if I'd acknowledge you, you'd direct my path. Lean not to your own understanding. How many times have we said, I just don't understand? Why do they do this? Why do they do that? Why are they doing this? Why, why, why? And the enemy has caused division in the church with one word, why? I could preach from there, but I'm going to move on. In all your ways, verse 6, in all your ways, those that even don't seem necessary, in all your ways, Acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I like the way that God lays out the challenges. Watch the challenge in verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, respect the Lord, and depart from evil. And God says, here's the reward if you'll do what I If you'll wise up, here will be the reward. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. With every challenge, God gives you the reason he wants to impart his skills into you because this is a reward for doing it. Listen, I don't know about you. I like to be rewarded. It's awesome to be rewarded. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. This is the reason the church is here. This is the reason the church pays their bills, because we honor the Lord. Every time I get a check for $1,000, 10% of that goes to the Lord. It's $100. My wife and I tried it the other way when we were first married. 
invariably one of the kids would have to go to the hospital, and it cost as much as what our tithe was. And, and finally, the Lord just really spoke to me one day. He said, you know, get the point. Get the point. I, I, I want you to do what my word says. He said, honor me with your first fruits and your increase. And here, here's the reward, he says, for that. And I'm talking to people. You're good tithers this morning. And listen, if you're here today, don't beat yourself up because you can't give 10%. Just thank God that what you can give, and one day he'll increase you and you'll give more. And it's an honor to be able to be a giver. It's more blessed to give than it is received. I'd always rather be on the giving end than I had the receiving end, even because I'm not a good receiver. I don't, you know, and I was told in a book that I was reading not many years ago, the reason, it said, if you're having a hard time receiving, the reason is this. You like to be in control. And when somebody gives to you and you receive, you've lost control. You know, I know all of you aren't like me. You should be shouting. You should be in your seat this morning just shouting. Well, the preacher got that, didn't he? This book is for me as well as for anybody else. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a powerful powerful statement and all the proverbs is just statement after statement with honor and reward for obedience to his command and what a joy because one day life will come to a close for all of us one day this earth will melt with a fervent heat one day there's going to be two judgments there'll be the judgment for all including the saints and we'll stand before God, and we'll give an account for what we've done and the, and the skills that we've operated in. And then he'll also have the, have the sheet of the skills I should have operated in, and I didn't. And then there will be the great white throne judgment, and we're all going to be there. And we'll all be judged according to the way we've applied the skills and the way that God will bless us. And the next, this next month is going to be an honorable time just to take a look at the end. Because you know what? We're closer to the end than what most people realize. Earthquakes, crime. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing the danger of America today on like third world countries in our own cities. And the Bible says a lack, a lack of respect for the law will be one of the signs of the end time. And we're fastly coming the closing pages of time here on earth and it's up to the, the leadership of churches to tell the congregation the truth and you know my heart goes out we have denomination after denomination that's that's endorsing the alternate lifestyle and i'm not here to throw stones but did you know when you do things that are contrary to god's word it's sin yes. and do you know the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. And yet we have men of God that stand behind the pulpit and say, it's all right to be a, a lesbian or a homosexual. It's all right to take the alternate lifestyle. No, it isn't. The Bible says it's an abomination to God. Amen. Listen to me. Listen to me loud and clear. If God says it's wrong, there's a reward for shunning the wrong. And there's a reward for the reason he shunned it. And God says you're going to be rewarded according to the way you've handled those challenges. So as Jared comes this morning to close us this morning, I just want you to, I'd just like to, for you to close your eyes, bow your head this morning, and I'd just like to ask you this question. What does it mean to live skillfully from God's point of view? 
Has there been anything said today that before you leave here the enemy will try to get you to forget? Or is there something just really burning you that you didn't like about the message this morning that really got between your skin? Maybe there's something that just caused a lump in your, in your throat this morning and it's, and it's hard to swallow. We've all been there. We've all had things that's wrinkled the sheets of our life. We've all had things said to us that we really didn't want to hear, but you know what? When God sends it our way, He's also gave us ability to receive the goodness of God, the things that line up with the Word of God, and He's given us ability to lay aside those things that don't pertain to us. He said, in all of your ways, I want to acknowledge you. No matter who you are, how old you are, how long you've served the Lord, or maybe you're here this morning and you've never served the Lord, it's never too late as long as you're still breathing. Say, Lord, I need your help. I haven't applied the skills that you've offered, but this morning I want to. And it's so simple. It's such a simple way. Lord, I submit myself to you this morning. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From this day forward, I want to be a follower of you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to stand before you one day with clean hands and a pure heart. And I know I'm not perfect today, but I sure need your help. If you're here today and you're, you're entertaining that thought, I entertained the same thought the day that the Lord came into my life. Not only did he come into my life, but I knew what he wanted. He had a calling on my life, a calling to the ministry. And it's been a great tri a trip with Jesus. There's been times when we cried. There's been times that weeping came. But the Bible says joy comes in the morning. And we've, we've, we've applied to the, at, at the White House where we live for many years. But God wants you to leave here this morning with a peace of knowing that he's Lord of your life. You're in all your ways. You're willing to acknowledge him. You're willing to allow him to be the one who directs your life. If that's you this morning, in your own way, I want you to just, just say this prayer. You don't have to, but if it's you, I want you to say this prayer. Lord, I haven't applied the skills, and I haven't taken the opportunity to submit to you today. Or maybe you have, but this morning there's just some real rebellion in your heart of receiving what's been said today. If that's you, just say, Lord, help me not to leave here with indigestion today. Help me to take the words that's been spoken through lips of clay. But you've called our pastor to stand and speak this. And help me, Lord, not to get indigestion, but help me to allow my spirit, Lord, to digest what's been said so that I can leave here knowing that I'm going to apply the skills of God like I've never applied before. God is faithful to his word. He said, in all your ways, acknowledge me, and I'll direct your path. Pastor Jared, would you take the service? Go ahead and stand your feet with me this morning. You stand. Usually when we give the opportunity for you to respond to the word, we ask for a lifted hand and someone to say, yeah, I, I need the Lord, or yeah, I need to respond. If you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, me and Jesus, it's a good relationship, and I'm proud of it. I'm excited about my relationship. 
And I'm excited about the word. Listen, as I read the word of God, there's places in my life that the Holy Spirit's got to direct me and say, hey, we're, we're not really lining up here. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. And so maybe this morning, maybe that, that's kind of you as well. The Holy Spirit's just nudging you, hey, this is when you get back on track right here. That, that's cool. That's cool. My mom and dad used to do that when I was growing up. That's fine. You know what? I realized they really did love me. And when they say this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, they're liars. But then when I become a dad, I realize, you know what? They weren't liars. They are telling the truth. It's all good. It's all good. So maybe you're here this morning, you're like, hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm striving toward that. I'm striving to the one who is. Just raise your hand right now and be proud of that relationship you have. Come on, lift it up in the air. Leave it up, leave it up, leave it up. That's cool. That's cool. I'm glad. I'm excited. And I'm pumped about my relationship with Jesus Christ. I will not be ashamed. I don't want him looking at the Father and say, I have no idea who this cat is over here. Now he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in and stop there and grab you a piece of fried chicken as you go. Amen? Father, we love you today. God, thank you for your many blessings. God, thank you for this time together. Father, thank you for the word that's been spoken to us this morning. God, thank you for the unction of the Holy Spirit today. And Father, I thank you for men and women, boys and girls, God, who are excited about this relationship they have with you. God, let it just overflow in our life. God, let it overflow in our actions. Let it overflow in our obedience. Let it overflow in our love for one another. God, let it overflow in our talk and let it overflow in our walk. And so, Father, I ask your blessing as we leave this place today. Lead us, guys, and direct us in all that we do. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen.